All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Joining us now, he writes for the Daily Memphian. He's also host of the Jeff Calkins Show. He is Jeff Calkins. Jeff, thank you for a few minutes. How are you? Oh, it's good to be on. Thanks. Appreciate it. Je- Jeff, Jake wanted to make sure he was pronouncing the name correctly. Is it the Memphian? It's the Daily Memphian. Yeah, I left the local newspaper. You know, it's, it's a changing universe. So if I was at the, at the Memphis Commercial Appeal for 23 years, and uh, there's a new digital site in town called the Daily Memphian, and that's for whom I write now. Yep. Okay, good. Then you were right. Oh, okay, you know, I just the Daily Memphian, make yep. sure. Uh, all right, Jeff, we'll uh, tell uh, jazz fans what they should expect from one Mike Conley. Well, it's funny. Um, he's the nicest guy in the world, first of all. Um, and it's no accident that he just won, you know, both <laughs> best teammate and uh, sportsmanship award from his peers at the NBA um, at the NBA Awards. That's it's almost a running joke that that he actually gets a little frustrated that he has been recognized for being an unbelievably good guy, which he is. Um, and 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 he would say slightly overlooked in terms of the quality of player that he is. And he's been, you know, it's awfully hard to be an all-star level point guard in the West. He is an all-star level point guard. He just isn't an all-star uh, point guard because of, of, of Steph and Russ and, and everyone else that you're dealing with out there. So, um, but I think it's perfect for Golden State and, and I mean, for Golden State, for, for Utah, I'm thinking of Golden State, but I think it's perfect, um, a perfect fit for a team that's, that wants to contend for a title. And there's no question that, that Mike was looking at Mark and, and his celebrating in Toronto and what fun he had in the finals. And he wanted to be in the position to do the same sort of thing. And I think he was going to be, uh, not that he was not invigorated here, and, but he's going to be reinvigorated in Utah and Salt Lake. And, um, and you're going to get a great player and a great guy. He's just tremendous. So tell us a little bit. We, we know, I mean, we've been watching Mike Conley for a long time, right. but, but you've been watching him up close and personal uh, describe his game for us. What, 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 do you, what have you seen? Well, the funny thing is, is that um, you know Mike was originally the booby prize for the Grizzlies in that great Kevin Durant, Greg Groden draft. The Grizzlies were the worst team in the league that year. Um, at the time, you could only drop if you were the worst team in the league down to four, and they did. And so, uh, Odin went first, Durant went second, Al Horford went third, and the Grizzlies, who already had Kyle Lowry at the time, drafted Mike Conley, who was sort of Greg Odin's sidekick. Um, and he came in, and he he had sort of a slow start to his career. He was almost traded in his second season to to Milwaukee. Um, but Mark went in there and put his foot down and said, don't trade him. Um, and he has become, in some ways, um, he had to subjugate his game a little bit because of the way the Grizzlies played. Um, he is... He is he he is at his best. He's he's not as quick as he was, but he's he's you know blazingly fast and has been. That's been part of his uh, part of his game um, forever. Um, and he really operates best in the open court. Is sort of he's, he, and and he has been sort of shackled um, uncomplainingly to, to Zebo and to Mark. And was was um, is a great teammate, and was happy to play that way. But what's interesting is he really, like last year, statistically may have been his best year. And once 
um, Mark was traded down the street. He was tremendous. Like he was, when you're able to play a little bit faster. Now, obviously, he's going to have some of the same issues uh, in Utah, um, but but um, he's tremendous in the open court. He's great in the pick and roll. He's become a, a great shooter. Um, it, he'll play. In, in many ways, he'll certainly play on the ball. He's your classic point guard, um, but he can play off the ball too. Um, so I, he's he, he's lost a little bit defensively. He's not as good defensively as he was. You'll hear things about say he's injury prone. He's really not. Um, if you look at how many games he's played, and honestly, a bunch of the seasons where he was shut down at the end, it was because the Grizzlies were out of contention and it just didn't make sense. So, for example, at the end of his year heading into free agency, he could have played. Um, if you actually look at him, he's, he's been pretty durable. Um, he's not as explosive and athletic as he once was, but but he's smarter than he ever was. And um, I, I, I think it seems to me that, uh, that you all need someone who can – in addition to Donovan Mitchell, create. And that's what Mike did. Mike can create. Mike can get his own shot. He can play off of uh, Donovan. He, you know, you want him taking a shot at the end, at the end of a game. He's just, he's a, he's a, he's a tremendous creator. And, and, you know, but here he was, um, he was the, he was the captain. He was the conductor, they called him in Memphis. And, and, um, and it's because he's incredibly smart. He's just a, he is an all around, um, skilled point guard he's not the one thing he's not he's not a guy who sees things that no one else sees like that kind of passer he is not he's not a wow i can't believe he saw that in many ways mark was a better passer than mike he'll make the smart pass and the efficient pass but it's not he's not one of those um you know like jay will was once upon a time he he didn't do that he doesn't bring you out of your seat with the with the with a sort of seeing eye passes, but he's a very smart distributor. He can get to the rim. He's got a whole selection of floaters. He's ambidextrous, um, so he can he can he can hit floaters with his right hand or his left hand. Um, I think he's you know. I, the only question is is he's going to be thirty two going into this uh, these last two years of his contract, and so how quickly will he fall off a cliff? But again, we saw really as good a Mike Conley this past year, certainly offensively as we've seen in, throughout the entire career. Jeff Calkins is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone talking a little Mike Conley. Uh, Jeff, we followed the rumors and, and what was reported closely here around the trade deadline, and, and by all accounts, this deal was close to going down then. Why do you think it right. didn't, and what was the difference between then and now? Oh, I think the Grizzlies made the assessment, and probably correctly, that um, that that they could get more that they could get more if they waited. The risk in doing that was he could get hurt or something could happen. Um, but I think, I mean, from the Grizzlies' perspective, it also makes sense. They are not going to be a team that is on a playoff run while Mark is still relevant. They have turned the corner. They have had to rebuild, turn the page, and so. Um, they didn't have to get rid of Mike once. A lot of people said, well, they drafted John Moran, so they had to get rid of No, they didn't. They, Mike could have played with John Moran. He would have been perfect to, to sort of teach John Morant um, how to play point guard. He could have played with John Morant. Um, it would have been fine. But it's sort of a waste of his talent and a waste of $30 million, north of $30 million a year, to have him play that role for a non-playoff team. So... 
um, I think what happened was is the way that um, it was structured. Um, it really met the it really in the end met the qualifications that the Grizzlies needed, which is they got the the one first round pick obviously um, this year, but then they got the second first round pick. And I think the fact that it is likely going to be, it looks like it's going to be a 2022 pick, um, which will likely be the double draft year. Now, uh, Utah should still be good then. I imagine that will be a pick in the teens, but it's supposed to be a pretty rich draft. So I think that made that more tantalizing for Memphis. Um, and then the fact that they didn't have to take back really meaningful money, um, both contracts that they got are expiring at the end of the year. Um, and so they it didn't burden their cap. I think Memphis, honestly, from my perspective, probably finally got an offer that they thought was worth taking. And I think from, um, I think from Utah's perspective, uh, with Golden State coming apart, uh, with an opportunity, it looks like, to really compete in the West and then seeing what happened in the playoffs and the need for a secondary playmaker or for another playmaker, it made sense for for the for the Jazz to step up and to to, uh, to to make an offer that was acceptable to Memphis. So Jeff, what you're saying here is that this is a guy who has a certain effect on his teammates that could be sort of a coach on the floor, not going to wow you with unbelievable passes, but good solid play that uh, might improve the offensive output of say a Derek Favors or Rudy Gobert. Well, I mean, he's yeah. Compared to, to Rubio, he's just a much better offensive player. Um, he's a much better shooter. He's a much better shooter than Ricky Rubio. So he'll open the floor in a way um, that Rubio could not. Like Mike, Mike can Mike can kill you um, uh, shooting the ball. Um, uh, Ricky Rubio might throw passes that are more entertaining, but Mike is clearly the dramatically better player and has been throughout the course of his career. He also is the nicest guy in the world, which I know doesn't like that's not the most important thing when you're trying to get a title, but but he is a really good locker room guy. I mean, Mike they, they, Mike was hung out to dry at the trade deadline. The fact that the, the Grizzlies said basically, we're putting these guys on the block, and then traded his best friend Mark, and it, we all we said goodbye with with Mike. There was this, you know, we thought that the, the last game at the deadline was his last game. So the fans cheered and said thank you to Mike, and we all lined up. And like every media member, Mike's practically one of our favorite players that we've ever covered because he's so decent. So we all shook hands with Mike and said, you know, good luck, and it's been a real, it's been a privilege to cover you, et cetera. And then the next day, he's still there. Um, he comes back and. And the assessment with Mike was you could do that with Mike because he wasn't going to complain. You couldn't bring Mark back because I, mean, I love Mark, but Mark is known for being a little moody one way or another. Like Mark can be a little difficult. Mike, you could do that. You could put Mike on the trade deadline and say, yeah, oh, you know, we're, we're yanking you back. You're going to come out and finish the year. And you knew that Mike would be the consummate teammate, and he is the consummate teammate. But there's no question. He knows how to play with big guys, and so he's going to be great with Gobert and Favors. I mean, that's literally how he's made his bread and butter for the course of his career. But he's never had a player. Honestly, the Grizzlies have never in the entire time he's been here had a wing like Donovan Mitchell to play with. And so, to me, you've got, yes, there's no, there's no point guard in the league who's more experienced at sort of helping big guys be their best. But then from Mike's perspective, he's not going to have to carry the load that he's carried in Memphis because he's going to have a player like Donovan Mitchell there, which he's literally never had alongside him. So, you know, I don't, I don't think, 
I think by the time the dust settles, we'll see what happens in free agency. I don't think I, I don't think Salt Lake you all will be the the favorites, but I do think you can imagine a scenario where you get to the NBA Finals with Mike. Um, I think he makes that much of a difference. Uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Calkins is with us here on ninety seven five and and twelve eighty the zone, talking a little bit about uh, about Mike Conley and uh, the impact he would have for the Jazz. And and maybe you answered this a little bit already, Jeff, in in what we've been talking about. But Gordon and I don't agree often on much, but we do agree that Mike, uh, from a locker room standpoint, from his game standpoint and what he can do in the pick and roll and the way he can shoot the ball, he he fills the gaps that are currently on this Jazz team, and we think it'll be a terrific fit. It sounds like you would agree with that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, to me, this is the. We'll see how it works out. Obviously, from the Grizzlies' perspective, will they use their cap space that they got from this wisely? Will they use the draft picks that they got from this wisely? Um, that's what will determine whether it's a, a a smart trade from the Grizzlies' perspective, um, and from the from the Jazz' perspective. Um, in the end, you do this with hopes of getting at least to a, you would think, a Western Conference Finals. Um, and then will Mike stay healthy and how well will it all fit together? Um, that remains to be seen. But to me, this is a no-brainer trade for both sides. I, I, and, and, the, and the nice thing is, is that people here in Memphis, they're thrilled with the return because it was time to get to turn the page. And with Mike, the other three were gone, Tony, Zebo, and 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 Mark were gone, and Mike was the first to get here of that group, and now he's the last to leave. And um, so it was time to turn the page from the Grizzlies' perspective. But the nice thing is, is that people here are absolutely thrilled for Mike that he's going to have a chance um, to play in meaningful games. I mean, I, I wrote about this when he left, but here's a guy who um, broke his face in three places against Portland the, in the playoffs, and ten games, he had two two titanium plates. Um, put in his face, seven screws. Um, he, he could only eat applesauce. He um, and he and 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 the doctors told him not to sneeze because the whole damn thing might come apart. And um, and there he is, ten days later, and he plays against Golden State because, against the advice of his everybody, his family, and everybody said, no, 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 Mike, don't do this. Memphis had lost the first game against Golden State in the playoffs. And so there you are at Golden State. This was back when they very sensibly gave the awards, the MVP awards out during the playoffs. So Steph gets the MVP award before the uh, before game two. The whole place in Oracle is going crazy, MVP, MVP. Mike comes out, scores 22 points, is really the better player, um, and wearing a mask, which is misting up and carries and inspires the Grizzlies to a win to tie the series at one. And that's because that's how much it means to Mike to play in meaningful playoff games. In the end, he's at a point of his career where that's what he wants to do. He wants to play in meaningful playoff games. And so for Mike, who did that for the Grizzlies, to have a chance to play in meaningful playoff games is all he wants, and I think what everyone in Memphis wants for him. So um, people in Memphis will be... It will be obviously hoping this works out well for the Grizzlies, but we were cheering for people in Memphis. We're cheering for Mark to win the, the title this year, and there's no question they'll be pulling for Mike um, in his new home. Wow, that's a cool dynamic. One final question for you, Jeff. That has nothing to do with basketball, or at least nothing to do with the NBA. 
There's been uh-huh. talk since UConn is uh, leaving the AAC. Memphis is a member of that league. Some have said that BYU, a school that we have a lot of listeners who root for that school, how do you like Memphis being in the American, and uh, do you think it would be a good fit for BYU? Well, you obviously know much more of the dynamic with BYU than than I do. I, it, it, BYU is uh, my own prediction is is with UConn leaving that that the American will probably stay at eleven. Um, it's awkward for scheduling purposes to stay at eleven, but. Um, I don't think it makes sense to add another if it's going to be UAB, for example. Um, the American has very clearly separated itself, it seems to me, as the best conference outside the Power Five. They have the best TV deal. Um, they just got a new TV deal. It's it's proven to be a pretty darn good football conference. Obviously, UCF is doing what they do. Memphis has been pretty good in football. Houston's good in football. Um, it's a very good basketball conference. Uh, Mick Cronin just left um, Cincinnati, but Cincinnati is going to be good pretty much uh, invariably Memphis is with Penny Hardaway is is killing it on the recruiting trail number one recruiting class in the country I think outside the power five it's a very good conference but it seems to me I think the a the, the American will be thrilled with BYU BYU would be one of the teams that that would make sense and, and which they'd go to 12 for um, I just I have always gotten the sense that BYU wouldn't do it because they have their own thing going on, and so um, and so I, I don't and I don't know the dynamics from that end of it. I'm sure if BYU is, would, would would be interested, the American would be interested in a way that they would not be interested in almost any other team that's available. Um, but I don't know. You tell me. I, I get the sense that it probably isn't something. Obviously, the travel is an issue. Um, but my understanding is generally that BYU BYU has independent value. And might not want to just sit here and take a one twelfth share of the American television money, and and I don't know that they want to write different rules for BYU, and so I think you might have a problem there. But but you know that better than I. Yeah, I, I think a lot of those same questions are coming up, and and really it's a it's a divisive topic, Jeff, because I think a big part of the fan base liked having a conference, and a big part of the fan base doesn't. So. It's one of those right. things, as, as you know, with sports radio topics, it's one of those things that constantly comes up and certainly was back in the news this week. So, uh, Well, and it, I mean, the, the problem is, of course, is that, there, that you, you have a situation where it's a very good conference outside the Power Five. But if any one of these teams are offered the chance to go to yeah. a, even a, a Big 12, which might fall apart, and like they would leave in a minute. They all wanted to leave when, the, when there was the rumor that the Big 12 was expanding. And so... Um, it, it's the best of a if you're going to be left out of the Power Five it's a very good conference to be left out in but every single one of these teams in this conference would bolt in a minute of course if they got an invitation to a Power Five. I'm disgusted with the whole system and the way that it's carved up um, but that's the reality that we deal with. Jeff absolute great stuff. A real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so very much Thanks, Thanks for having me. Alright, see y'all Jeff Calkins from the Daily, the Daily Memphian and also hosts a radio show out there, the Jeff Culkin Show. And I'm glad you snuck that question in about BYU there at, uh, at the end. Give a little perspective on kind of what maybe the, the AAC is thinking, and he thinks they'll probably stay at 11 for the moment. Yeah, and uh, he's probably right. BYU probably isn't interested. But uh, still, with Memphis being in that conference, I wondered if he had a, 
a point of view on it. As far as what he said about Mike Conley, nothing that he said surprised us right on the money. Uh, this guy, yeah. not a lot of duplicity with no. Mike Conley. No. He is who he is. He Everybody knows what a good player he is. He, he sounds like he's just a terrific individual. That fits what the Jazz always say they're looking for, and they got a good one there. And uh, I, I do believe what he said. When, when Marcus All won that NBA title, in the celebration, he texted Mike Conley. And they shared in that moment of glory from Marcus Saul. Uh, that shows you how close those two were. Marcus Saul would be more than happy to do the same for Mike Conley if he was doing that with the Jazz. Not that Marcus Saul doesn't want to win it again, but I, uh, I, I think that uh, a lot of people would be happy for Mike Conley if he were somehow to elevate the jazz to that kind of level we'll have to wait and see how that works out all right we'll have more of the big show coming up next 97.5 and 1280 the zone